Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Televangelist, preacher, Pat Robertson, thanks for being here on the Gary Hour. The airways in America are filled with people talking about Jesus. Overseas, the same thing. We, I mean, we. Oh, trust me, I know. Jesus is everywhere, especially in the holiday season. But is it all right for me to just be a human? I, I, I don't see it. I think it's a very dangerous premise. But I just want to be a regular human. And Sundays, I can't go to church. That's the time for me to catch up on my Saturday cartoons. Jesus himself talked about people going to hell. Wait, I'm going to go to hell for watching cartoons or for not going to church? The answer is yes. Yes to the cartoons or for not going to church? Hell was intended for the devil and his angels. I didn't know the devil had angels. Hey, hell's starting to sound like an interesting place. You know, we had one little boy who was in heaven. He said he met some of his, uh, a little sister who had been aborted, and she was in heaven. Whoa, that's freaky. So you're saying in heaven there's thousands of aborted babies running around? It's not too clear in the Bible, but I, I would say the answer is yes. Ugh, well, heaven's starting to sound a little bit like a hell. First of all, you need to acknowledge that you're a sinner. Me? Secondly, you need to repent of the sin that you have committed. I don't think so. And then you need to ask God to forgive you. Nah. And having said that, you then say, I will receive Jesus Christ, nah. his death on the cross, to pay the price for the sins that I have committed. No, I don't think so. I don't really like being judged by my guests. Why don't you look at my ass? How do you have a black hole? That's my ass. Indescribable beauty. Well, thank you very much. Weirdo. G, 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 take me away. G, 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 take me today. Hey there, welcome to episode 18. This episode we talk to Mr. Ben Kissel, K-I-S-S-E-L. He uh, is a comedian, he's also a uh, talking head on Fox and all these uh, shows. He also has four podcasts. Four podcasts, yes. He talks a lot in a microphone. 
which uh, you might be able to tell right off the bat that he's pretty experienced on a microphone. You know, sometimes uh, these conversations, they're like a dance or a duel or like two lead guitar players trading licks. You'll hear our rhythm kind of shift and move. I think it started off a bit of a duel and then it turned into a beautiful dance. We talk about Ben growing up as an evangelical Christian. Yeah. We talk about therapy. We talk about how you get your release. How do you get your mental health? We kind of started talking about politics for almost almost 10 minutes. And you might notice that I sniffed that right out. Because this is not a political podcast. If you want politics, there's plenty of other places to go. Not that I'm not well informed, because I am, but uh, I don't really want to listen to people talk about it. I enjoy talking about it, but I don't really want to listen to people talk about it. <laughs> and uh, hopefully you don't either. I've never said this before, but uh, every time I talk on these podcasts, the music behind me is my music. Yes. You can listen to it. It's a band called Setting Sun, and it's on the internet. That's the thing that uh, is attached to your keyboard or on your phone. I believe the internet's probably there. I hope you had good holidays, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Conversation with me and Ben Kissel. need headphone volume you're on number four there all right all right all right let me see if you need any more or less that sounds good to me great yeah but cheers cheers buddy thanks for having me yeah let's get a little oh right we're doing it yeah <laughs> so uh i watched your reel on youtube yes yes it is really impressive thank you so much gary uh i am ben kissel i um yeah, thanks. I, I my buddy uh, Dave Kaler. He's a very successful graphic designer. He helped me edit it, and then my other friend Adam Warch helped me finish it off. So check that out. That's a uh, reel that you can find on YouTube. It is my appearances from Kennedy, of course. Kennedy from uh, early MTV days, early MTV fame. She was one of the original VJs, fantastic performer and a wonderful woman. I was on her show quite regularly, starting in July of this past year, 2015, and then I also appeared on the Greg Gutfeld show. Uh, a few times, and I love Greg. He's an amazing guy, and I highly recommend reading his book, How to Be Right. It uh, discusses how to argue and win conversations using the magic of humor. Oh, and then right. I also appear regularly on a show on Fox News that airs at 3 o'clock in the morning because that's when I shine, and the name of that show is Red Eye, hosted by my great friend and amazing comic, Tom Shalhoub. You are getting the plugs in right up top. I got to. Got to do it. Got to Got to. uh don't you want to lure them in a little bit? Make no, I got I got to pay the bills. You know, <laughs> I I got to got to keep the lights on. Well, it was you do look really good. Like uh, on Fox News, you look like you totally belong there. Yeah, I go to Joseph A. Bank. That <laughs> is, that's the place where I buy all of my uh, suit jackets and all of my shirts. Joseph A. Bank is one of the greatest stores that's ever existed on the face of the planet, and I highly recommend checking it out. So you can buy three suit jackets. 
for nine, $999. And they're great jackets. Although, no, actually, you buy three, you get two for free, and you just buy the one. It's a whole scam in reality. I, I kind of thought it was your shave and haircut that really uh, made it. Well, when you go into Fox, uh, you know, they have a, some of the greatest uh, hair and makeup people on the face of the planet. I mean, they've got to make uh, Lou Dobbs look good. And I love Lou Dobbs, and he always does look good. So you go in, you sit down, you get your makeup done, which I love. I love television uh, makeup. You know, it's just, it, it clears up all the blemishes. Uh, both of my older brothers are gay, so they know about good skin. Mm. And my oldest brother, he came... Uh, he called, he called after my first appearance on Red Eye, and he was just ranting and raving uh, with positivity about how great my skin looked. I have done nothing. Uh, all they do is cover up my constant hangover. And a little that's color what, adjustment. A little color adjustment, that's right. Make me look slightly less transparent. I am powder-esque. I am extremely Caucasian. So they do a little coloring there. I look really nice. And then the hair, and, the hair team makes, uh, man, it makes me look like a politician. Well, it, I could talk politics with you all day, but this isn't really a political podcast. This yeah, is we more, can keep on going with it, though. I like it. <laughs> you do. That's what you do. You talk politics, right? That's what you I talk everything. Do. I do a podcast that's true crime related called Last Podcast on the Left. That's all about serial killers, and mm-hmm. we're we're finishing up a three parter on we'll put, uh, we'll Leonard put Lake your... and Charles Ng, and I can talk about anything. All right. Well, you brought up your uh, two gay older brothers. And yeah. I also, you know, I do my research. Mm-hmm. And I saw you did a really interesting video for it's okay to go.com where you talked oh, about yeah. your, uh, you grew up as an evangelical Christian. Is that video out? I saw it last you night. You did. How did. is it? It's great. Is it? The whole website is really interesting. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I had a great time filming uh, with, with, uh, with that project. Yeah, it's, it's basically a project where uh, people of all religions, talk about growing up and how it's okay to get out of it, the organized religion. There's yeah. Mormons, there's Brooke Arnold, who was a guest here, is also on it. She was mm. in the ATI cult. What's the ATI cult? Um, it, Alt- Alternative Training Institute. It's Bill Gothard. He, mm. he, uh, the, um, who are those people? The reality show people. The Dugers. Oh, they grew up okay. On, it's really twisted, and the right. guy's been accused of raping young women. It's really, really twisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I'm very familiar with religion because uh, I grew up with a lot of it, so this interests me. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to ask you about, well, first, I want to ask you about growing up as an evangelical Christian and the fact that you have two gay older brothers. This is a whole world. Well, of course, I mean, you know, growing up, we didn't, uh, I didn't have two gay older brothers when I was growing up, right? I mean, obviously they were gay, but they were never, it wasn't, they, they weren't out at the age of eight. Are they still evangelical um, Christians? No, no, no. My oldest brother, okay, so growing up, so the first question. And what, uh, what growing can you, up, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your version of what you grew up, your experience as an evangelical Christian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, my parents, uh, my father's an immigrant. He's from Germany. He came over here at the age of 18. He met my mother in North Dakota. They started uh, getting involved. There was a huge counterculture movement to the counterculture, which, even, which is what evangelical Christianity uh, came from. Mm-hmm. So you, you had uh, a bunch of hippies doing drugs, free love, those sorts of things. The drug sort of took a turn for the worst. Then you sort of have your Mansons of the world. Yeah. And you have, uh, you know, the dark side of the drug movement. 
Out of that came evangelical Christians. So it's relatively who, new, evangelical Christians? Yeah, it's relatively new. Jimmy Carter was the first president to ever get elected running uh, as an evangelical Christian. My oh, parents wow. both voted for him. And then obviously he did a terrible job. And Ronald Reagan picked up that mantle, and uh, he ran with it, and he 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 was able to form uh, the Christian coalition. Are your that, parents that, still that, evangelicals? Yes, they so, are. Um, so my dad, do you, do you speak with them? Yeah, I talk to them sometimes. So my, sometimes when my parents uh, got here, um, they joined a uh, in in North Dakota. They joined a a, a cult. For, really, is what it was. It was called Daystar. Daystar. And, yeah, it's called Daystar. It's still around. They actually not re- a cell phone company. It is not a cell phone company. Uh, That's how you no. recruit people, though. That'd be really smart. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, get a good phone plan around any cause. Then you sell. Then you have just God sending them text messages all the time. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a fun little, uh, fun little bonus perk. <laughs> uh, Daystar actually, they just wanted to launch a television network, and they uh, claimed the television network itself was a church. So they claimed uh, they wanted to get tax exemption for it, which the federal government should not be giving to any churches anyway. I agree with but, you, but uh, yeah. which was nonsense. So they they weren't able to win that. So that's where I was born. I was born into this cult called Daystar. My oldest brother was six. My middle brother was four, and I was two when we finally left and we went to uh, Illinois. Always very evangelical. Finally ended up in Wisconsin, and uh, my parents were very. Uh, they wore the religion on the sleeves. The thing about evangelicals is they uh, obviously they have to go evangelize, right? So you have to constantly be telling people that uh, constantly you, recruiting people, constantly recruiting. Very, you know, much different, uh, you know, than the Jewish faith. Much different than the Mormons, who I believe there's only a couple hundred thousand people that get into uh, the Mormon heaven. So they're just like get out of here as, as much as possible. But your but, your parents weren't born into it, huh? They, they you don't have to be. No, no, no. Evangelicals. I mean, very few. I'm a generate. I'm one of the first generations of kids to be born into evangelicalism. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not. I mean, you know, you have like Billy Graham and things like that. But this is almost more extreme than all that. So it sounds it's so extreme because it's one thing to be born into and be brainwashed from a young age, but to be a grown adult and to choose to live that way. Well, I mean, that happens all the time. I mean, look at Scientology or any religion, any any religion. I mean, it's all the it's all the same thing. Obviously, you know, religions are surrounded by. Um, before I uh, by, by you. society, you know, by uh, by uh, by a societal construct. That's what you like, and then of course the religion is uh, is is the uni- is the um, unifier. Yeah, the unifying factor between the friendships and uh, and the societies. So you see the good things. You see the virtues of it. Uh, I don't see any. The only, if I had to say, the virtues of evangelicalism. You know, when you grow up evangelical, you do have to question life and death issues at a very, very young age. My parents were extremely pro-life, and they were very involved in that movement. So I know about abortion. Left, I know every, I've, I've known about a, uh, what abortion is, what it looks like, and uh, and those things uh, since I was like three years old. You know, I told the story, and I'm not sure if uh, she cut it out or kept it on the uh, on the uh, video that you saw about going to an abortion rally when I was six years old. It's not on in that. Washington D.C. I tell the story on stage. My parents would caravan with these people who would have huge pictures of dead babies on the sides of their minivans and their and their station wagons and things like that. It's a, it's a a tactic oh, yeah. that a lot of pro life people use to is, uh, show is, yeah. what uh, you know what abortion looks like. Believe it or not, it's not pretty. 
Um, not that a lot of people thought that it was in the first place. So the one good thing about uh, being evangelical in hindsight is it does make you ask, uh, ask and uh, try to answer philosophical questions regarding life and death at a young age, at, a, at, a, uh, at an age where, uh, you know, most kids are, uh, you know, too uh, busy being preoccupied with right. uh, playing with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like, or uh, having a, a drone now. I think kids like <laughs> drones now. Much like any philosophy would. You know, you don't really need yeah. an organized religion to dis- discuss philosophy. You don't, you don't. But, uh, I mean, I would say my parents were really sweet in a lot of ways. My mother was a foster mom, so we took in foster care kids since uh, starting when I was 12. I have a 22-year-old ah, foster brother now, so they did... Uh, uh, they were the not hypocritical. Parts. They were not hypocritical when it came to their staunch pro-lifeness. A lot of pro-lifers are against abortion, and they have their door shut uh, when it comes to people in need. So you can't be hypocritical if you are going to be. And I always say this: I'm a pro-choice person. Um, but uh, if you are pro-life, I, I don't. That that's okay. Uh, there are reasons behind that, but you must have an open door policy then. Right. Okay. So there. Against abortion, yeah. But how do they feel about birth control? Is that oh, okay? they don't go too crazy with that. My parents have never been, uh, you know, my parents aren't. They never went down the road of just like if you masturbate, that's a genocide on your chest. They never did that, <gasps> you know. And my dad, they weren't like, you know, this. I had a sex talk with my father, and he was just, it was just like wear a condom. And I'm like, okay. And oh, no one, okay. no one was having sex with me anyway. You right. know, I was, I was morbidly obese for crying out loud. I was in high school. So when it comes to that well, good aspect, job, good job it, losing the weight. Thank you so much. Uh, when it comes to that, they were not, uh, they were not extreme. I think it's also because they had three boys. Um, right. So I don't know how they would have been with a girl. Right. Right. So I don't know. But, uh, but as far as it goes, they were not, uh, they were not anti-science. I mean, my parents come, my dad's family was very, very successful. Mm-hmm. And my mom, you know, uh, her parents were, were bright in their own right. My, 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 my grandmother, uh, in North Dakota got a master's degree when she was, I believe, like 28. So this is like the 19, 19- 50s or whatever so there's so they were my parents rebelled by going to religion they rebelled from your grandparents and for, yeah both of my both of my grandparents my parents rebelled by going this conservative mm-hmm. religious route are you rebelling by going the non-religious no route? i don't rebel no i mean i'm not even non-religious no I, i'm not rebelling from my parents i'm way over that i my parents never i didn't even have to really rebel from my parents because by the time i was uh, in high school, they were so exhausted from uh, from being parents, I could pretty much do whatever I wanted to three do. Three boys will exhaust a person. My yeah, mom has my, three boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know how they do it. Uh, yeah. spe- specifically, my middle brother. My oldest brother is interesting. I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, them not being out, but... You know, Eric used to really, uh, he would always like, my oldest brother, he was really into RuPaul and Delight. And uh, so I always just thought this was very normal. I tell would you a story say that that's a stage. red gay flag? I would think so. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, for a boy in Wisconsin who is six foot 11 um, to love RuPaul, that is abnormal. Yeah. yeah. From his, it, we, I mean, our town was 25, 23,000 people. I mean, six foot 11? Um, yeah, he's six eleven. Yikes. Um, but he was, but, but at no point did I think that this was something that was, that, that was out of the ordinary. It just was what it was. Although I know people in the, um, town, you know, they would, they would, you know, uh, sort of mock the fan, uh, us a little bit and things like that because they knew i mean everyone sort of knew something was weird but i mean for me it was just totally normal i tell a story uh, of a sexual uh a situation that i had uh thinking of rupaul 
um, because my brother had bought a poster of her and put it on his wall, and I thought she was very attractive. And I, I was not aware of the uh, penis or the balls. Well, when you're that tall, how do you know if people are staring at you because you're gay or because you're just freakishly tall? Yeah, I mean, people, you know, that's the thing. I had terrible crippling social anxiety disorder growing up, and being six seven certainly didn't help that. I was 5'10 in eighth grade, and then by the end of my freshman year of high school, I was 6'7". So. See, I would think being tall would be, uh, you know, feeling strong and superior and powerful. No, when you're 13. It's a nightmare. You just because when you're 13, you just want to be like everyone else. Yeah, you want to be like everyone else, and you don't. I mean, I was very shy. It's very shy. Now you're realizing, so, yeah, this is tall thing is pretty good. It's okay in your mid 30s, uh, <laughs> getting on mid 30s. I guess Women, not the, quite mid 30s. The ladies like the tall guys. Some of them do. Some of them don't. You know, it's a crapshoot. Everyone, everyone likes something in somebody. But my middle brother, Chris, he was much more um, flamboyant. Mm-hmm. Um, and much more outgoing. So, and, and he, he, in, the, in the evangelical religion, homosexuality is is a sin, right? Oh my God, it's 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 uh, one of the worst. It's, it's like, one of the worst things you can do. It's yeah. like peeing on God, basically. Oh yeah, 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 and God just loving every second of it. Um, it is bad. Yeah, you know, I mean, my church. Do you believe in God before I offend you? Oh no, I, I do not. Um, you don't. No, you're an I, atheist. No, I'm I'm just an agnostic. agnostic. I don't even think about these things. I mean, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I I really do not care. But you about must what care happens. if your parents are evangelicals. I mean, my parents believe in God, obviously. That and that's their th- that's their thing. And whatever you you know, I mean, I'm of the mind. Whatever you have to do to get through life, don't try to hurt anybody. Just try to be loving as possible. Mm-hmm. If it, if you have to be religious, uh, then be religious. If you want to be atheist, uh, then be atheist. I'm, do whatever you have to do in order to make uh, this time that we have here slightly more palatable because so it's not ta- easy i'm so glad we're talking about this because i'm dealing with this issue right now because my father is very religious he's a christian scientist okay and yeah. I, have a, I have a long-term girlfriend and we can't stay in the same room in his house yeah i mean you know i had a girlfriend where we didn't uh, we couldn't stay in the same room either her parents were hardcore catholic i, I don't know that that's fine it, it, you know that's is a, that not a moral judgment on someone else though I mean, it is what it is. I mean, how often are you hanging out at your dad's house? You know, so that, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you're in somebody's home, I guess you have to respect their uh, their wishes. And I get the, I don't know. I mean, I, it, I don't know. Whatever. Is, is it not a little? Is it not a little weird and creepy that a parent would be even thinking about what's going on behind those doors? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, but that's the religion, I and mean, you know, it's very personal to these people. So. I mean, I think most likely your father believes that he is doing what is best for you and uh, saving you from a, from getting smit by God, smited by the Lord. So I don't know. But anyway, I mean, that can be a fight that you have with your dad. I, but at the same time, that, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's certainly not a deal but breaker. This is my problem with religious people, though, because what he's doing and many others as well, not to single him out, but... They are putting their religious beliefs before the love of their children. Yeah, and I completely agree with you on that. Um, And I'll tell you a perfect example of that. Really quickly, going back to what I was saying about my brother, though, Chris. When he was 16, he went over to Milan, Italy to model. He was much more outgoing about his sexuality. Everyone knew, um, which left me. My oldest brother had gone off to college. Then Chris was in uh, Milan, Italy modeling. I was six foot seven and a freshman in high school. I got bullied relentlessly. It was an absolute nightmare. They're all a bunch of janitors. Had your middle brother come out at this point? Well, he never came out, but he never wasn't out. You just know, never he just never brought was, it up. No, he was just, oh, everyone kind of knew, but he still had sex with chicks. And he was just, he was the, he was a very cool guy. He was a cool kid. He was, you know, very handsome. But what did your parents think? 
Well, I'll get to this now. So, um, so that was this my- must have been like a big problem for them. How do they resolve this? They have got their strong religious beliefs. Then they've got the well, love for their children. Okay, so like you were saying earlier, with people putting dogma before family, my oldest or Chris got uh, got married. Um, this not this past summer, two summers ago. Good lord! Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents didn't go. My parents refused to go to the oh, wedding. It was a beautiful ceremony. Out of protest. Out of, out of protest. It was a beautiful ceremony at the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens. Very traditional. I mean, as traditional as as a uh, as any wedding I've been to. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents didn't go, and that definitely caused a rift because that's very mean spirited, and it's a very important day uh, a person's wedding. Yeah, they're saying they don't respect his choices, his lifestyle. Right. Right. So, so that is, uh, that's an issue. And of course, if I would ever get married, I have yet to meet a woman. But if I would ever get married, I think that would be something that I would have to have a conversation with my brothers about and with myself internally if I would want them to go to my wedding. Because I mm-hmm. do have a strong disdain for people who put fantasy over family. And I think that that <laughs> is, uh, certainly the case. When it comes to uh, you know religion, it is, it is a uh, it is a fantasy. It is the definition of fantasy, and and unfortunately, it's a powerful fantasy that has uh, strong political um, ability. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I do understand being upset with uh, religious parents, or uh, but on the uh, on the other end of that, I was I, I went to Uruguay to visit my grandmother, and uh, they're completely secular, and they were they're very confused about my father's choice right. uh, in religion because when you do become a again, I mean, it was a cult daystar what they when they first began. So uh, his brought- parents were just. Thoroughly, they are still, still to this day. I mean, she's ninety-three years old. Just thoroughly confused about why the religion grabbed them so hard. And, and is that your dad's mom? That's my dad's mom. Yeah. Okay. My so, dad's, yeah. how did that affect their relationship? It's not good. I mean, you know, again, right. you put you put uh, you know dogma ahead of your yeah. relationships. Yeah, ahead of flesh and blood. Yeah. And so it's it's not good, and it's confusing because you wonder how can someone believe such nonsense? I mean, you know, what is it? Trans trans. Transpotentiation, trans, transpotentiation, trans, trans, transportation. No, no, it's when the uh, blood turns into <laughs> the wine turns into blood and the body turns in uh, the the bread turns substantiation. Yeah, there, there it is. I could never remember that. Um, no, it's confusing. It's confusing. Yeah. And my oma was very. But, um, but isn't it all about love? And what is so loving about judging others and saying that this? I is don't more... think religion is all about love. Uh huh. What is it about? What draws people to it? Well, I think there is a. Um, um, a need for self-worth, a, 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 a desire to, um, you know, calm the, the, uh, there is a certain amount of, um, as soon as you're born, you're immediately kind of struck with this, um, oh, I don't want, what's the right word? Like purpose? What no, is no, my no, no. I'm talking, uh, it's a fear mm-hmm. of, of death. As soon as you're born, uh, you, you, I mean, I mean, as soon as you have a, a mind that can think, I mean, I remember thinking about death ever since one of my first thoughts was like, what is this? Like mortality? Uh, mortality. And it is a, um, it's a way to calm, uh, not the fear, the uncertainty right. uh, of death. That, right. So that's exactly that's what it is. Yeah. Why are people so scared of the uncertainty and why do people, it's the same reason why our brain needs to put everything in boxes. Right. That person is this way. That person is this way. You see them, you judge them, you put them in a box. Right. What is so hard about people being like, I don't know. Maybe I'll know later in life. I don't need to right. know now. 
Not knowing is really difficult to admit and to uh, and to feel. I mean, not knowing is is scary. I, I personally, have, I have no fear of death. I I I, have, I don't know if I've really ever had a fear of death. I embrace the warm hand of death. Come and take me whenever you want. Mm-hmm. I really don't care. Um, but at the same time, I you know I believe in energy. I believe that uh, you know what is what is life. You know what are we? Uh, so this notion that you go into a a tangible heaven or a tangible hell and you have extremely human-like creatures uh, being God. Even the fact that they put a gender on God mm-hmm. is just so stupid. Yeah. You know, it just shows such a lack of creativity. Well, do they or is, is it father, mother, God? Well, I mean, even so. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. Oh, I mean, right, right. You know, Male, female. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Uh, they, I mean, what is, you know, that's why... Yeah, whatever. Going back to dogma, like God was Alanis Morissette, and everyone was just like, I can't believe it, but I'm still just like, oh, whatever. Well, I'm curious how you work this out, because you still have a relationship with your parents, right? Not so much. I talked to my parents. Well, you know, um, my childhood was was an interesting one. It was a little tumultuous at times, and... um, it was uh, it was it was not it was abnormal. It was it was very abnormal. So with the foster kids and then with my um, my dad was very stressed out a lot. He was a truck driver, so he would work like 70, 80 hours a week, and then he had a bunch of shithead kids to come home to. So I sympathize now as I get older with the amount of work that he was doing, and then how difficult it is to raise a family. But that um, was his choice. You didn't, his you, choice. You didn't decide, say, hey, Dad, I want to be born. He was like, hey, I'm going to give birth to Ben. Yeah, 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 of course. And they were always very happy about uh, that. Kids always do that. They put it on themselves. But no way. It, well, I didn't choose to be here. You know, that was their choice. Right, but you do have to sympathize a little bit as well. I mean, no one... At the same time, it was my choice to you know go to school and you know sit on some kid or something. I don't know what I was doing. I do some was prank or something was like it, that. Was it our choice, or were we just like, well, boy, we're going to have to support ourselves later in life. We better figure this out. I was a pretty bad kid in high school. I was voted class clown, rowdiest, and loudest, and I missed class rebel by one vote. And I'm still super pissed off at Tyler. This kid named Tyler got it. That's he's perfect. A, he's a good kid. Though. That'll keep you a rebel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, you yeah. would have won class rebel, you'd have been like, all right, I, I did that rebel thing. Now I was. Gonna- I, I, I mean, I, I did drive my parents absolutely nuts i was very close to getting kicked out of high school many times i got to go to catholic school um because my parents i went to a super evangelical school and then my parents let me go to catholic school it was the most liberal choice they were uh they would have made they 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 allowed themselves to make and uh my friend jared and i were we were hellraisers we stole thousands of dollars worth of cigarettes and we would mostly just give them away to people and sometimes sell them if i was if i felt smart that day we'd I mean, Jared ended up getting kicked out, and I barely graduated. I was going to say, oh, you're entrepreneurs, but you were giving them away. So yeah, we were just thieves. You're just you like know? Robin Hoods that wanted people to die of well, this was This was the early, this was the mid-90s <laughs> now, so uh, it was before cameras were everywhere, I mean. Right. We yeah. didn't do any, we really didn't do anything violent. We would just steal a lot of st- uh, cigarettes, and this was when they had cigarettes uh, in front of the counter. Yeah. Before everything was, you know, they would just have um, aisles full of snuff and tobacco that was just like, buy the candy. So it was a much easier time to right by the cigarette candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Real, real cigarettes or fake <laughs> cigarettes, whichever one you wanted. And we wanted the real ones. Well, that's I'm, for sure. I'm glad we're having this conversation now because Christmas is uh, three mm. days away, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of people are going home to their families, and I'm dealing with this issue too. Now, are you going to go see your parents for Christmas? No, I don't see my parents too often, so I didn't. I'm not going to see them for Christmas this year. I uh, do they I want you to, my- to come back for Christmas? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel as if uh, they, they're fine. I think they're fine. So I don't. I talked to my parents maybe 
uh, maybe once or twice a year or so. So, you know, we don't have a very close relationship, but we are, I have a lot of respect for them and they're very proud of me. You know, they, they watch me on TV and stuff like that. So they're proud of me in that way. But at the, at the end of the day, there isn't too much to discuss, you know, because they are, they really, the only ask, the only things they want to discuss are, are religion or the only things they have any sort of intelligence um, for is religion, and and they are very intelligent. If 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 I was uh, you know someone who is a theologian or someone who is interested in in uh, Christianity, I'm sure they would be be able to engage in a fascinating conversation. I know they they're very popular. They go to a Haitian church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, that's how evangelical they are. They they went around to all these different churches <laughs> in Fort Lauderdale, and they finally settled on the Haitians. Uh-huh. Um, and the Haitians they very anti gay. Uh, Haiti is one of the worst places you can go for being gay. Really? You, you, you get murdered, you get tired. They they fill a, a a a rubber tire up with gasoline, throw it around people's necks, and light it aflame. You know, it's, it's disgusting. This- so, but that's the church my parents go to. So, um, I I don't really speak to them too much, but the, but they're very good people. So let me ask way. you: you speak to them once or twice a year? You said? Well, maybe a little bit more, maybe like three or four times a year. Okay, so. so- who calls who and what is the conversation like what i mean when you barely oh, it's talk. very nice well you know it's difficult because it's pretty it's just base it's base stuff it's weather related um we be uh, so why even talk just just to be like all right we're cool with each other but yeah we you don't know just to like just each to, other just to, no we do like each other that's the thing i really do like them if we you love each other parents but we don't if you like would meet other. my parents you would think my father was one of the most charming people you've ever met yes religious people often you know do that um, and I was I was yeah. saying this before in another conversation, like Southern people too, they're really kind and nice and great host hostesses host hosters and mm-hmm. but they're often very close minded and judgmental as well. Well, once you get underneath the artifice, yeah, yeah, once once you scratch the surface and you really start to see where their philosophies lie, then uh, you know once you realize they voted for Rick Santorum. Yeah, things start to uh, go a little bit south. But at the same time, my parents have always welcomed both of my older brother, my brother's husband now, and my oldest brother's boyfriend or fiance. Wait, they, uh, they, welcome they welcome them into their home constantly. So it's very confusing. It's a very confusing situation. So they must be a little torn because they've had to compromise their religious beliefs. No, that's not a compromise. I mean, the whole point, the, re- the evangelicals are always love the sin or hate the sin, which is one of my... I hate it's such a cliche statement and it's it drives me insane. But anyway, th- that in its in it in the definition of it is you 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 love the person but you just disagree with every single thing that they believe in and everything that they are. So it's but, it's confusing which is why uh childhood was uh, a bit uh it's a lot a bit to difficult. navigate. It's a lot to navigate because yeah. what it, it's it's such an abstract thought because it's also very demeaning at the same time to the person who you're being nice to, like you were saying earlier with the Southerns. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't think religious a lot of religious people don't get is how it's demeaning. You know, when you're judging someone and saying, yeah. oh, well, you can't sleep in this room, even though that's what you normally do. Or if you have to change your normal behavior to fit us, you're, that's a judgment, and it's demeaning. Yeah, you know, but, and at the same time, it is... Deme- they feel as if it's demeaning to them when they don't want to make a gay wedding cake, and the federal government goes in and tells them that that's illegal, and you have to make a gay cake. Uh, you have to make a cake uh, for a gay wedding. So, uh, you know, everyone feels as if uh, the other side is demeaning towards them. So, I, I think mm-hmm. what my, my strategy has always been and always will be to just try to bridge the gap and to really just kind of relax, let people do what they want to do. 
um, regardless if it agree if if you agree with it or not. Like for I I am uh you know I am um I I am personally at this point I'm 34 years old. If if uh if I got a woman pregnant, I would prefer to have the kid. Um, okay, but I'm also what pro choice. Was, what if she was, and like, if she didn't want to, then 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 that then that's her decision. Right. I'm, I also I don't own a gun, but I'm okay with people owning guns. Right. I don't. I mean, you know, I I I I don't. My my you don't, personal you don't beliefs, seem like a guy who would impose your beliefs on my anybody. personal beliefs aren't right for everybody. Right. I don't. I don't really need a gun because I'm a six foot seven guy who I can walk down any alley uh, in New York City and feel relatively safe. Uh, you know, my ex girlfriend's five foot one. You know, when we were going through, yeah. like, we would walk and she'd be like, "You're going to go down this road," and be like, "Yeah, what?" I, I don't even think about the that's idea of not, not your going. Reality. But, you know, but the idea of her having a gun, I think that's wonderful. You, right. why? Why doesn't you know um, a ninety pound your uh, ninety pound uh, woman have a gun? Sure, I think that's wonderful. I, I don't. I've never personally had a feeling of uh, being so uh, unsafe that uh, that that has prompted me to have a gun. But uh, so I understand that my, my personal philosophies, the things that work for me, don't work for everybody else. And uh, so you have the situations where uh, you know Christians feel under attack. Uh, you know, people who are secular feel under attack. But and, it, it uh, is a, it unless, is... of course, you have that situation where you had that 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 Kim chick. Uh, over there denying the gay marriage licenses. Right. Kim Davis, yeah. Uh, Kim Davis, because she's a ward of the state. She is, she is a, she is a mouthpiece of the state. The state has passed, gay marriage is legal. So that's an entirely different story. She's just not doing her job. She's not doing her job. Yeah. Right. When you, when you, when you are representing the state, yeah. you have to go with what state law and federal law, well, state law specifically is. But aren't you also kind of drawing a false equivalency? Because it's one thing to have your beliefs, and it's another thing to have your beliefs that impose on other people's beliefs. Well, right, which is why Kim Davis was wrong. Right. Well, that's that's really wrong because she was, you know, elected. Yeah. She just wasn't doing her job. Right. But the person that uh, doesn't want their gay children in their home. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's we I, disagree I with that, you being gay. Yeah. But you can't come in our home, even though this is the home you grew up in. Yeah, I mean, those people are terrible. That's that's a terrible thing to do. So, how do your parents kind of work rationalize this? With I, I think it is they hate the sinner, uh, hate the sin, love the sinner. That that's the philosophy. Okay. Now, what if he wanted to sleep in the same room with his? My boyfriend? parents don't care about that stuff. Really? Yeah, they It'll don't be care. okay. Well, they only have a two bedroom apartment, <laughs> <laughs> so that doesn't that doesn't hurt. My, I, I don't come from a lot of money, so uh, we never. Well, we had a nice we had a we had a, we had a pretty nice house growing up, actually. But then. Um, my uh, yeah, my parents are just in a two bedroom uh, apartment now in Fort Lauderdale. So so if, is, is, so if I had a girlfriend and we went to stay, there was no, there's no, there's nowhere else to go. Well, there's so. another bedroom, right? Yeah, but they don't have a problem, you know. Uh, my with my brother, well, they stay in a hotel usually, but uh, if they would stay over, I, I there there would not be a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. see, it's that kind of uh, that's where the false equivalencies get thrown a lot. Yeah, it's my parents are very bizarre though, so it, it's tough to say. Do you see a lot of hypocrisies in their beliefs? I mean, anytime somebody has a so any anytime uh, you know religion is uh, plays such a huge role in somebody's life, there's going to be hypocrisies. But there's hypocrisies with everybody. You have Bill Maher, uh, the self-proclaimed atheist, uh, making a movie like Religious. Mm-hmm. Um, the only religion he doesn't make fun of is Judaism, ironically enough. And uh, he's attacking Christian truck drivers. Okay, so these these truck drivers are former meth addicts. Well, he's attacking spousal people. abusers, spousal abusers. Maybe religion is good for them. Bill Maher is, right. you know, and then of course, you know, his anti 
um, Muslim sentiment, which is just a, a people people make fun of Donald Trump or they they criticize Trump for saying anti-Muslim things, which Hillary Clinton, by the way, is the exact same uh, exact same uh, policy that Trump has. She just says it's slightly more articulate because uh, you know she's playing to a different uh, well, constituency. Well, that, that's but, why it's more gangster because you keep your cards close to your chest. Trump has some, she's got some <laughs> Trump cards in there, but. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, th- there is obviously hypocrisy anytime you make a uh, philosophy the cornerstone of your uh, political career, of your professional life. If you're a celebrity and you, um, you know, like Bill Maher, if Bill Maher is a branded atheist, left liberal, even though the liberal party has moved away from him. The left has moved away from him. I actually think he's more conservative sounding now do you, do you in think- a lot of ways. But I think that it disables you um, political fluidity of thought. And fluidity of thought when it comes to life, when it comes to your, every time, every day you learn something new, every night you go to sleep, somebody different. And so when you pigeonhole yourself or, you know, tie the noose around your neck and, 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 and force yourself into one specific, you know, philosophy. And literally, if Bill Maher would come out as a conservative, he would lose his entire fan base. And, you know, John Stewart in the same way. So yeah. that, I think any time that, that can be dangerous, and then it l- leads the door wide open for hypocrisy because you, you're not allowed to play, uh, to, 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 to see what the, the, the play is and uh, to call an audible. Well, you, t- you, you tapped on something interesting that you're born a different person the next day and we're constantly evolving. That's how I like to think of the yeah. the whole Jesus story, reincarnation, you know, he's born, he came back to life. Mm. I like to zombie think zombie Jesus. Zombie Jesus. I I feel like I'm, you know, constantly evolving and you can be born again in your own life. Yeah. And the Bible is full of metaphor. You know, if you read the beginning of the Bible, people live to 400 years old. How do you explain that? Oh, it's just metaphor. Anything that right. doesn't really work out factually is metaphor. You know, and then oh, but it's he really did come back to life. No one comes back to life. No one's we've never seen anyone come back to life. Right. Obviously, it's a metaphor. Well, and this is what sort of the baptism. You know, this is what baptism is in the in the Christian faith and everything like that. You know, you go in. I had, I was baptized in uh, what was it Jordan Park? I forget the uh, Iverson Park or in something the, in like the that. water and all. Yeah, that? and so I was wearing. I was so fat. And I was wearing a white T shirt and I got dumped underneath. And my first thoughts were just like, I look. I can't believe. Like everyone's laughing at me. Yeah. My tits were all out. You know, it was, it was a white. It was a wet T shirt contest that I didn't sign up for. So when I was reborn, I was reborn embarrassed. I guess. Well, baptized, ba- baptized until I was embarrassed. Yeah. So your parents, at some point, realized that they they have two gay kids on their hand. Yeah, I mean they weren't. I mean at that, my oldest brother he graduated and he was actually in Campus Crusade for Christ in college. Oh wow. So and then my middle brother. Yeah, I mean at no point did they really. Uh, they didn't have two gay kids on their hands. I mean, th- this was just the family. So I don't think they really dealt with those issues so much because both of my older brothers were very independent. My oldest brother was already out of the house and when he came out, um, so my brother came out in an email saying that he was going to the gay nineties with his new boyfriend, Dallas. Um, and I that's was like, how he came out. Yeah. I was like, I guess he's gay. Uh-huh. Uh, I called Chris. I was like, is Eric, I guess Eric's gay. And then he was like, Oh, of course, you know, right. he was, he was jealous. He was upset for, uh, for Eric to, uh, of Eric, uh, for Eric taking his thunder, you know? Yeah. But, uh, how do you so, know you're yeah. not gay? Well, I, mean, I don't, I'm not sexually attracted to men. <laughs> Although <laughs> I do like this Bailey J. <laughs> She's a trans porn star, but she never has sex with women. She only has little things confusing. It's very confusing. We can't. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. We can't go there. So, do you, I, not just to put it on your parents, but I feel like a lot of religious parents, when they're spending Christmas alone, 
you know, and, and their children aren't coming home. Do you ever, th you think they ever just think to themselves, wow, this religion thing has kind of uh, pushed a lot of people away from me? No, I don't think so, because it's brought them their community. You know, it is, they have a lot of friends, um, a lot of Haitian friends, mm -hmm. a lot of, but a lot of. Isn't that also very telling when you can only be friends with people who agree with you on all these different things? Yeah, I mean, that's just the way that my dad is, you know, there well, is no the conversation. People that's are. the way a lot of them are. Most of them. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, I mean, you're, you're a comedian. You, you probably have all yeah. kinds of friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I have I, all kinds of friends. I I never actively sought out diverse friendships. It just happens. It's just energy. Um, yeah, it's people just, that I, have the right good energy. Exactly. You you surround yourself, and with. you do surround yourself with people who have. I mean, you know, everyone surrounds themselves though with people who have similar philosophies in a range. Mm -hmm. You know, so. We can't pretend as if, you know, everyone is so unbelievably open-minded. Take a look at a picture with you and your 10 best friends, and I guarantee you, you're going to see a, a relatively uh, homogeneous, um, very, you know, yeah. very similar in many, many ways. Age, mostly race, tend to be gender, you know, so, and mostly orientation is probably going to be similar. So everyone does surround themselves um, with with people that are uh, in, in, a, in a range of of themselves right but let's not again draw a false equivalency because there's a lot more diversity and no most, much more diversity yeah. i'm just saying you know i mean christians are and, and all religious people you know all religious people um they can they tend to obviously be attracted to a smaller group of people who have more hardened uh beliefs right yeah and it's interesting how i've been to a church where they had packets i don't think this is even legal but how to vote who to vote for it's all very oh, black legal. and white the, well, uh, that merger of uh, church and state. Is yeah, very, yeah, yeah. I don't know cool. if it is actually legal, but that's what they do. That is what they do. Yeah, yeah they tell their church constituents who to vote for, or how to vote. They encourage, right? Yeah, yeah. They encourage it. Yeah, that, and then of course this can lose them tax exemption if they're found to be a uh, political uh, um, organization. Yeah, right. and they, and they are, of course. I mean, the, the affiliations with the, the political affiliations of the church are. You could. You I guarantee you, if we saw, if we, you know what an evangelical, you know that what who an evangelical is voting for. They're voting for Ted Cruz. They're voting for Mike Huckabee, Rick Santorum. Maybe Rubio can get some over uh, to his side. Um, but yeah. th those are their candidates this year. They have they have three candidates this year, and uh, and you know maybe some of them will allow their racism to trump their religion, and they vote for Donald. So you seem to have kind of work this out i mean when you have parents that don't really accept you for who you are no they do they accept you it's not about that it's not about you uh-huh it's religion i it's mean about them yeah it's not about you have you it's ever not about them it's not about their parents it's not about their kids it's about their religion i mean it is a they but my parents believe in a living god mm -hmm. they believe that god is you know the the neighbor next door. Uh, you know, knocking on the door asking for sugar when he needs. Uh, you know, to make an impromptu birthday cake. I mean, that's that's what my parents believe. So they don't. Uh, it's not about not loving your kids or you know disconnecting from your parents. It's about having a relationship with God, and that's which is more, bigger than everything. It's more important than your blood. Yeah, totally. So what do you mean by a living God? Their their they God believe, lives next door and he's always out of sugar. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take one of those. Um, why? What do you mean by a living God? Like he's he's everywhere. He's an omnipotent God. That's what evangelicals believe. That yes, God is alive, everywhere, everywhere, alive and well. Mm -hmm. So but he's not he's not a person. 
um, they definitely visualize him as a person. You know, they what I mean, th- that there's there's a reason that Muslims don't allow you to draw Muhammad, which I actually think is interesting because there is something a little bit more. I, I understand it from the perspective of each person. Each, and I mean, I am no theologian, so I might be completely off. But uh, assuming just what what my what I personally think, uh, th- you can visualize whatever image you want to have for uh, for Muhammad, right? Like, so it's very personal. Oh, uh, that's why we, they don't want you to draw. I don't know. I don't know this. At okay, all. okay, I'm just saying this is this is possible. That's kind of cool, though. Um, which would make sense to me, right? Because, but then you have Christians. When you think of Jesus, as a matter of fact, he looks a lot like you do, Gary. Yes. You might be the second coming of Christ. Oh, I get told that when I let my facial hair grow out. Yeah. Right. Totally. So uh, we have an image of Jesus, right. you know? So um, we have a, a, an obviously false image of Jesus because he does not. Probably look like LeBron eyes. James. I mean, who the hell knows what, <laughs> you know? I mean, if he, if he was ever even a real person, he's, right. what, do, what do you call it? A myth. No, an amalgamation. I hate yeah. His, yeah, no. yeah, an amalgamation of characters. Yeah, and this is most likely. Well, what, Christmas what, in and of itself is an amalgamation of traditions. Yes. You know, it's the winter solstice. It was a pagan ritual. People uh, going caroling door to door came from a bunch of drunk people trying to get people to uh, give them more booze. Right. You know, putting lights up. Putting lights up comes from, you know, you used to light candles and be like, ward off the darkness. We're approaching winter. We want more light for the crops. Makes a lot of sense. No one knows when Jesus was born. He they say no he was thing. born in February or something, but it's all nonsense. Anyway, uh, not to be on the religion thing too much, but uh, yeah. So I, I, my parents believe in a living God that is uh, represents himself in human form, I'm sure, in their minds. That's how they would think of him, and uh, it is what it is, and well, it's, it's going to trump all family uh, and all blood. Well, what are you going to do this Christmas? I mean, why do you not want to go and see your parents? I, I mean, I have to work, so that's fine. Um, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to hang out. I'm actually house-sitting for a uh, uh, friends of mine, so I'm going to go and take care of their dogs. Do you believe the world would be better without organized religion? It's tough to say because, you know, People talk about, you know, I have a lot of friends, I, I love politics, and people are just like, why do we need a government? We, everyone should just, like, do everything on their own. And Oof. But what happens, human, humans form government. I mean, you look at Occupy Wall Street, for example, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which was not an impromptu event. I mean, these things are organized by the SEIU. These things are organized by huge, huge institutions of the left. And uh, immediately after, you know, four or five days, governments start to form, pockets start to form. Right. Uh, you know, people uh, of similar philosophies, like we were mentioning earlier, come together and, uh, and they form unions and they form coalitions. So this whole idea that the world might be better without religion, it is just another form. I mean, in the Middle East, religion is politics. Right. You know, so these things are very intertwined. The U.S., I mean, people do not give the United States enough credit the separation of church and state at its time was revolutionary. It was insane. Yeah. You know, like people, it was so bold. I mean, a bunch of Freemasons came over here and just denounced religion in government. I mean, obviously, it, it sneaks its way through, um, but it is not. Um, it's not a, a, the figurehead of government. It is not. It's not the um, the cornerstone of our government. I mean, the Constitution is our Bible, which is insane. I mean, mm-hmm. so um, so would the world be better without religion? It doesn't even matter because religion is going to happen. You but know, whatever that whatever that religion is, the next religion. You know, with singularity and and, and aliens and you know. Um, Oh, don't even get me sort of like started on singularity. You know, yeah. I mean, all of these things are. If you look at it from the 
from a religious perspective, they're religious. If you look at it from a political perspective, it's political. So people who are religious, they see everything through a religious lens. Right. So that's why they see the secular. That's why they go to Starbucks and deduce that there's a war on Christmas because there isn't a stupid <laughs> pagan tree on the cup. I mean, so they see everything in a different way. Right. And people who like politics, if you're in business, yeah. you go to a Starbucks and you and you may, maybe you marvel at the productivity. Right. Or you see, oh, like that cup is five. You, you look through. Or if you're a graphic designer, you're sure. like, oh, look at this, this great packaging. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. simplicity of the packaging or the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, outlandishness of it. So you look through things, you, you look at, the, as a comedian, you, you look at, you, you look at life with a different lens. Yeah. You know, you try to find the humor in things. You don't let, uh, you don't, uh, maybe see, uh, the, uh, the tragedy outright. You try to find the humor in the tragedy. But again, let's not draw false equivalency because even though there might be people seeing things through these different lenses, we're not judging or condemning anybody. We're saying this. Oh, I mean, this you can't say that good. comedians don't judge or condemn. There's a punchline to every joke, right? Yeah, that, I mean, you that's, know, that's and true. that is that does tend to lead to condemnation mm-hmm. or judgment. You know, usually a punchline isn't uh, you know something where the where the person or the uh, thing that you're mocking comes out looking like a like a big winner. But I'm much more apt to let a fundamentalist into my home just for the material. You know, it doesn't bother me. It's Oof. not offending my yeah. God. I just no, like, please come in. I want some material out of this. Yeah, yeah, for a little while, and they got to get out of here. But <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you know, if they're if they're no fun, there's there's a lot of them that aren't. You know, I mean, I had a friend in college, my best friend in high school, or one of them, and uh, we were roommates in college. And he went away one weekend, and I, you know, we were drinking a lot. I mean, I, I'm a huge proponent of alcohol. It's it's uh, it's one of my favorite things. And uh, and now, do you think you're drinking to escape? Or no, you, no, no. Why why do you drink? I love to drink. You just love it. I've been drinking since I was twelve. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Is that that's part of being a Christian? They love to drink a lot, right? From an know. early age. No, some. My parents didn't drink. They didn't. No, I. I just like I. I don't know what it is. There's. I, it's always been my favorite drug of choice. I don't take any pills. I don't do. Mm-hmm. I don't do anything. But anyway, um, you know, I, I'm a pretty outgoing guy. And, uh, and, but then again, I will say, if you have a drinking problem, do not do it. And God knows, uh, you know, I take time, uh, time off, you know? Um, yeah, you don't have a problem at all. There was a, there was a podcast Gary and I actually met on it, which I, I if, it, if it ever comes out, I'm pretty hungover. And then by the end of it, I'm drunk again. So <laughs> that'll be kind of a good one for the B sides. Um, I don't think I sounded too bad though. No, oh, I, no, that's how I, I, think, I, was, I think I was just very mean, <laughs> <laughs> which is possible. But, um, Let's see. So we're saying, um, what are we talking about? We're talking about false equivalencies. But I'm also, I'm also kind of amazed at how you've worked this out. Like you don't seem angry. You seem like you've, uh, you've found some sort of resolve with this whole religious thing. Even though I don't get angry with anybody for doing again. Like I said earlier, you do what you have to do to to get through. I mean, are your, this is not an easy life. Life is very very hard. And aren't your parents making it harder for you by not nothing, just giving you? I had a very rough childhood, so nothing I will experience in my adult life will be remotely close to what I experienced um, in my uh, in my middle school years or my teenage years, which is I'm thankful for. To get that done with, I mean, being in the entertainment industry, all it is is rejection. It's constant rejection. Yeah, well, like, yeah. I don't even care. Like yeah. whatever, I can handle anything. Good for the you ego. Know? Uh, Good for the humility. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm yeah. just not worried about it. Whatever you say about me, you know. At the end of the day, uh, you know, you go into an audition. Some casting director doesn't like you. 
she or he's a casting director. I mean, yeah. what a loser. What a boring life that is. Are you <laughs> kidding me? You know, I mean, it doesn't even matter to me. So, Well, you just got to do what you do and not worry about it. You know, just try to be the best you. And, and try not to be, uh, you know, mean-spirited and things like that. So yeah. that's, that's really pretty much it. Uh, and I think... You know, so I don't know. I, so I don't demonize the uh, the religious people. I don't. I, I mean, quite honestly, nothing really aggravates me more than evangelical atheists. Well, you said something at the beginning of this conversation, which I thought was interesting. That religion makes you ponder some big concepts. Yeah, at a bit, very young life age. at a very young age. Oh, anyway, no, I'm sorry. This is the story I wanted to tell you. Uh, so, Pete, uh, we were drinking in high school. Who's uh, Pete? This is this is the story that I that I uh, that I derailed myself on. Okay, then, then I want to get back uh, to yeah, how yeah, it's not good to just even think about these concepts at such a young age. It'll yeah. mess you up. Um, we will. Pete. So I uh, we went, so we were great friends in high school. We went to college together. We were both having a great time. Really having a lot of fun. And uh, one one weekend, he went back to my hometown, and he apparently met up with this chick, and he really liked her. And then they, he did this religious thing, and he said that he went to a soda, and he asked God, he went to a soda machine, and he asked God uh, to give him a non-caffeine, uh, you know, soda. And then a uh, then an orange crush fell out of the uh, machine uh, without him putting money in it. Well, this is his miracle. Okay. Uh-huh. He comes back, he's totally different, one hundred and eighty uh, ch- uh, change in the man. He ends up moving out like in three months because I'm like, you got to get out of the dorm room. I mean, I felt like I was in prison with a bunkmate that had just gone crazy. Does he love that and REM song, Orange Crush? I don't know if he is allowed to listen to REM. <laughs> quite honestly, he went so far. Off the rails. Uh, it, once once you catch fire, you know. Once you do become born again, yeah. And it's like brand new. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are some of the most obnoxious people on the face of the planet. Yeah. So he he lost his mind, and and that was a situation uh, where uh, our friendship was never again. Right. Right. He just so, totally changed. And so with my parents losing their parents and losing their children, with him losing, uh, you know, my friendship. Obviously, he has, you know, now he's got kids, and this is fifteen years ago now at this point. Um. But you do, but uh, you know, there is something that just it immediately slices off certain relationships, cauterizes the wound, and then the person just moves on, much like any other addiction. So uh, that's the story about uh, you know evangelicalism and, and religion and how it just completely um, you know can can uh, end end previ- uh, everything be- from you being the old you to you being born again. The old you is completely gone, and that is uh, your friends as well. Right, your relationships, all which changed. is which is uh, which is something that is. I my feelings were really hurt by that. I remember my feelings being very hurt by that because, like you were talking about earlier, with religious judgment. Then all of a sudden, I'm drinking a beer, and he's looking at me as if I'm, you know, um, you know, doing something terribly uh, unpleasing to Mother Mary. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, what happened? We were literally 72 hours ago. You were sitting with me drinking a beer. We were playing John Madden football. I don't know what happened to you. And that and that's just a friend of yours, but it, it hurts on a much deeper level when it comes from your own flesh and blood like your parents sure so you were saying now you don't want to be pondering life and death at a young age well well, i don't think it's good for children children are just dealing with life and being alive and what their hands are and what's going on i don't know if that's true though i think the better you know i always dive in the deep end you know much like molly shannon's character in the television uh in the movie superstar um her character that she made famous on snl uh, just mm-hmm. dump, jump in the uh, deep end. I don't think that there are many 
Um, other than, you know, sexual things, um, children are very, very smart. And when it comes to life and death, that is just so ingrained in human beings. And of course, sexual things all, you know, as well. I mean, everyone starts humping pillows at like six or something, but you know, but they don't know what it means. Like the brain, the brain is scientifically a muscle, you know, the, the brain has to develop and grow, not only be used like a muscle would lift weights, but the brain has to just have experience and just time. It just yeah, needs but at time. the same time, you know, I'm 34 years old now. I'm really happy. I started thinking about these things super young, so I can kind of go through my life and uh, and not have angst into my 50s. Right, but think about how you were in your 20s and how you look back on it now. Like, oh, I was such an idiot. I thought I knew everything. You know, it's very common. Like in your 20s, you have a lot of angst. You think you know everything. Then right. you get in your 30s, you're like, oh, I kind of didn't know everything then. And then you kind of start to think you do know everything. And then it's probably just... Oh, it's impossible to know everything. I mean, if you think you know everything, I mean, the, the wonderful thing about learning things is you, the, the more you learn, the more you know nothing. You know, the more you know that you know nothing. Because there's so much to learn, right? which well, is such an exciting thing. And you've just kind of revealed that you're not a religious person because you have this open mind and sense of wonder about things. But again, that is something that did start from religion. I mean... uh you know, asking, first of all, being a six-year-old and, you know, being around adults who are like, Jesus is real, all these stories are very fun. Mm-hmm. And it's straight out of the uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Garden of Eden, snakes, brothers killing each other. I mean, An arc the, the violence is through the... Yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a ship with, with a bunch of animals and this dude How can talk he, to him. Right. How did he build a, a boat so big it could hold an elephant, a camel, a giraffe? Right. It's amazing. And then the sex. Well, how does this work? You know, but you know what you start doing? I, right. I, I, the I always with the giraffe? How did that work? I do four podcasts for a reason. I've always asked questions and I love asking questions. That's how I learn. Mm-hmm. I, I read, I read a lot of news, but I don't read a lot of books. And uh, I, I listen to audiobooks and I watch a lot of Charlie Rose and, uh, and I watch a lot. Of, I digest a lot of information, but yeah. I love asking questions. That's yeah. my favorite way to learn. Um, you read the books. I'll, I'll mine you for the material I need. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's cool. I have, and, I have a bit I'm working on about how New Yorkers are all kind of attention starved because they never ask people questions. Yeah, asking questions is wonderful. It and is. that's one of the things that you started doing immediately with religion because there's a lot of questions. And then you get, you know, kind of BS answers and then you have to sort of, you know, go into your own mind and and figure it out. But but I do understand what you're saying. It made life very very difficult. Um overly complex for a child. But but in hindsight, almost like military training, almost like, you know, if you're going to become a marine or something, it's hell. But then at the end of the day, you're able to survive a battle in Fallujah, you know? So um, it helps, you know, but at the time is when you're that carrying... that what life is about, surviving battles in Fallujah? It is, yeah. It's the <laughs> definition of what life is about. What is life? Surviving battles in Fallujah. <laughs> That's a good way to do it. But a I, good I, way to maintain it. Like, there's some concepts you could see when you talk to a kid, if you put this heavy concept on them, they just, their brain just goes empty. They're just like, I can't even understand it. Well, it's a dim kid. <laughs> It's a dim can. It is. That's a, that's adult. You know. That's a, that's a person who's going to be. Uh, you know, if if your brain is a um, is a vessel that has nothing in it, and and and, and, it, and has if the person has no desire to put anything in it, then they're going to fall to 
um, the politician that says the the sweetest things. They're going to maybe maybe vote for Bernie Sanders because he talks about distribution of wealth and how everyone needs free college and how everyone should have you know um, well it's a it's, full tank of gas and uh, and a perfect amount of kids. Whatever sort of utopian esque uh, world Bernie Sanders is selling, people who uh, you know just love the words and and love the ideas regardless of looking through um, the ramifications <laughs> and the uh, yeah what what does that look like? What yeah. would that world be? Um, you know they they're going to they're going to go to somebody like that and then of course the inverse would be Donald Trump. So those people are just dim. I mean and those people might be ones. I know for a fact there are evangelical kids that I grew up with who are still evangelical cuz they're, they're they're not smart. Well, like if you ask this question to a 6-year-old, you say if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, did the tree fall? They might not even understand the question. But if you ask it to a 60-year-old, they'll very confidently tell you what they think because i think with a brain when it's that young it just doesn't understand i don't know concepts. man i mean there's a reason i believe bill Con- did bill cosby used to host kids say the darndest things uh-huh. was that the cause I don't but know. there's a reason that children are constantly mined for comedic content they have ideas Oh yeah, there. So I mean, the, I mean, who knows? I wish I still had. I wish I was a six-year-old so I could answer that question well, properly. So because they would probably say something, you know, regarding the, a tree talking, or maybe they reference some, uh, you know, maybe a Lord of the Rings type thing, mm-hmm. or you know, Harry Potter, or whatever the hell it is. So kids tend to do. Kids, I, I used to work at a YMCA taking uh, for the summers when I was in college, mm-hmm. and kids have ideas. They have answers to any question. Yeah, uh, and they're very, very. But unique. they might involve unicorns and floating carpets and. Or they're just stars. very rational too. Sometimes. <laughs> And you're just like, oh my God, you're a sociopath. Right, right. You know, it depends. Do you think, because I think religion was created for a reason. I think religion was created because there was a very chaotic world. and People needed morals. And people weren't getting morals anywhere. And now I think we've evolved to a point where we just grow up with morals. I don't know how or why, but we just intuitively know murdering someone is wrong. You know, you, you kind of know the golden rule. I mean, which I don't know if that's biblical, true. But. I don't think that that's true. I, I mean, morals. You think we can, need religion for morals? No, I don't think we need religion for morals. We might need prisons um, and law. Exactly. The laws but, are the morals now. Uh, yeah. And most of the laws are based off of religion. I mean, you know, we just recently got the Ten Commandments out of courts. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that, that's a battle that happened in our lifetime, which is insane talking about separation of church and state. Right. So I don't know if, um, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, atheism is a religion. I mean, every it depends on what. You, I mean, morality is something that is just that that is uh, that is something that has to be taught at a young age. But I, I don't. But can it be taught independently of religion? Yeah, I mean, of course. There's a lot of great kids who who, who grow up with that in non-religious homes who have an amazing uh, philosophy f- towards life. But there is always something that it's attached to. You can't just make these things up out of nowhere. So because if somebody says why. Why can't I? You know, you'd be, you can't murder, and the kid's just like, why not? I mean, you have to have a, a, a reason. Because you'll go to jail, and you'll spend your life in solitary confinement, or you'll be murdered in the uh, electric chair. Yeah, that could work. That might work. Yeah, that's a nightmare. God, it's a, <laughs> I watched so much lockup on MSNBC. No, maybe religion's needed uh, or not needed. It just doesn't matter. It'll, it'll always be here in whatever form that it is. It's just how you brand it. So. Yeah, did they not have prisons back when religion was created? I mean, they had uh, maybe they didn't. Ha- they couldn't hold people in caves or wherever we were living. Then. I think they had prisons. I think they were <laughs> killing quite a few people. Oh, they probably just kill you with the guillotine, right? I mean, you know, we're we're living in a time now where there is just it's awful. Our prison system is one of the worst situations on the face of the planet. So uh, that 
yeah. But the more people that are locked up, the cheaper the rents will be. Is what's good. That's not true. There's we. I, what is it? I think we spend roughly uh seventy eight seventy eight thousand dollars a year on each prisoner. Mm. Some states it's up towards like one hundred and fifty thousand. I think if you're in solitary, it's uh around like two hundred thousand dollars a year to keep you there. So it's cheaper if someone's in solitary. It's more expensive. More expensive. I yeah. feel like solitary confinement is is torture. Well, the Quakers started it and they stopped it. Because it was torture. torture, yeah, yeah. But the but uh, we keep it going. Have the prison spent, industrial complex is terrible, but that's a whole other conversation. Have you ever spent long amounts of time uh, either alone or in a foreign land when you where you couldn't understand the language? It uh, is, yeah, you, a little bit. You start to go insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without like because like we're nothing without other people to bounce ourselves off of. So in solitary confinement, like you would just lose all sense of who you are. Well, that's where you find religion. When uh, right when there's nothing, you know else. that's the, then you find your personal Jesus or Muhammad or whatever the hell, well, or Tom Cruise, that's whoever exactly, the hell you want to worship. That's exactly my point. It's your personal Jesus, and if it's your personal thing, that's fine. It doesn't it doesn't affect me. It doesn't you know it. I have nothing to do with it. That's your personal thing. Great if it works for you, wonderful. But when you start pushing it on me by either proselytizing or imposing your values on me. That's where you're out of line. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just everyone. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, evangelicalism is not my, evangelizing is not one of my favorite things. And of course, the real problem with it isn't so much in this country. It is in places uh, when it comes to the evangelical religion. The problem isn't so much in this country. It is in places like Haiti. It is in places uh, like Nigeria. It is in um, more developing worlds where these focus on the family types, the James Dobson types. Um, really actually have a foothold in the political systems there, and they are leading to the deaths of uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of gays and uh, and other people who are deemed uh, lesser than in the eyes of God. So in this country, we're, we're actually fairly secular. If you go into yeah. where evangelicals really have some power into those more developing nations, uh, that's where their brutality can really be seen. And uh, and that's where it re- really becomes a, a nefarious religion and, uh, and, and, and dangerous. Why and are, of course, in the Middle East, you can see what, uh, oh, what religion does uh, to those people. Very, very similar. Uh, as a matter of well, fact. the Middle East. I mean, the Middle Easterners. It's just like I don't even understand from square one. But the Haitians. Why are they so anti-gay? Where does that come from? I think I don't know. I don't know exactly where it comes from. But if you want to, I do a great podcast called Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. If you want to understand the Middle East, uh, listen to the episode I do with Saman. I did with uh, Saman Arbabi. He's one of my greatest friends, mm-hmm. and he is a. Uh, former uh, international war journalist. So he was in Afghanistan and Beirut and all around from 2004 to 2009. So check out those episodes on Abe Lincoln's Top Hat on Cave Comedy Radio. Wow, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's great. I know a lot about that, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Now, you, you have you been to therapy? I mean, you see... No, I've never been to therapy. You've never seen a therapist? No, I would never go to therapy. You'd never go to therapy? I would never go to therapy. You're anti-therapy. I'm not anti-therapy. Therapy is not for me because I went to therapy when I, no, that's okay. So, that was, so, uh, I went to, I was forced to go to therapy when I was like 12, 13, 14. By and your parents? Eh, the school, whatever. Somebody wanted the me. Catholic maybe, maybe the Catholic school. Maybe the, maybe the, yeah, maybe the courts. I have no idea. Wait, no, and, they sent you there for a reason. Something was going on. They either caught you drinking or smoking or thought you might be gay or something. Uh, no, I was very rambunctious and I was extremely, uh, I had a lot of thoughts in my head, and I expressed up. them. Uh-huh. I wasn't acting up. 
I think I was acting appropriately. Playing uh, the smart guy. Well, I don't know if I was smart, but <laughs> I definitely wasn't the easiest student, I don't think. Yeah. And I, I certainly I, I wasn't was the sent, best kid. I was sent to one as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we used to... We did some vandalizing. We what, did some vandalizing. You know what I, you know what I found out from mine? When you see a therapist when you're under 18, they tell your parents everything you say. Oh, my God. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I said. Did that to happen this. to you? Yeah, I guess so. I don't, I'm it's sure our parents, my parents must have been terrified. Mm-hmm. They thought that was... They brought home uh, Damien from The Omen. <laughs> my, uh, my guy told me what you say in here is between us. And then I'm telling him all my thoughts. Then I find out that he told my mom everything. He's a snitch. Total snitch. I hate it. I hate that guy. I hate him too. Yeah, I actually had to go to quite a few therapists. That's where I got diagnosed with ADHD and um, uh, social anxiety disorder and things like that. Uh, I, school. These are school therapists. No, these were like you know at the doctor's office. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but you know. At what age was this that you were sent to these? 12, 13, 14. Okay. But I always knew, I always knew that they were going to be telling my parents. I was never open with these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and no point uh, did I uh, ever reveal who I was to them. Right. Um, I you're put on you're a, smarter than I was. Well, I mean, you can't. I mean, they're a bunch of morons. I mean, who are these people? You know, they, they weren't smart enough to get out of this situation. Uh, <laughs> you know, I really had no respect for them. Right. And I just remember one woman... Uh, at the end of it, I have no idea what I said. Um, at the end of the, the the hour, she was just bawling, and then she was like, "I'll never see him again." I have no idea what I probably just said a bunch of accurate things about what a failure she was. And uh, uh, to the therapist, I guess I have no idea what I. I literally have no clue. You um, just totally tore her down. I guess I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. She, I, my parents just said she was crying, and she said she didn't want to see you anymore. And then, and then they said, "What'd you say?" And I said, "I don't remember." Um, That's I, awesome. I really don't remember. Um, and which is really bizarre, but uh, yeah. Then I had a, a, a couple of other therapists, but I always found them to be. Um, I always thought they were just kind of going through the motions and, and and providing information that I already knew, and then trying to. Um, well, it sounds like yeah, they were bad. They were stupid. It sounds like opposite of what a therapist should be, because you should feel like a therapist is your ally, no matter what, and you kind of seeing them as your enemy at that age. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, why would they be an ally? There is no ally. There's if you are having a hard time and you are young, uh, you know, this whole campaign it gets better. It does not get better. You get better. You know, the world stays the exact same. Nothing is changing, but you get better. Uh, you know, so it doesn't. Well, but it, you it, do. And it is so your life. It's your life. Yeah. You know. So if you're listening and you're and you're young and you're you know going through and you you know you do have to have a certain again going back to having to confront life and death issues at the age of six. By the time I was twelve, I was already like half. I was already like halfway through college. You know, if you right. go for twelve years, I guess. Um, but uh, so I was already. Oh, and you're fearing hell. You're probably like dealing with. No, all this. I already knew that was nonsense. I mean, I I would I didn't believe it. in it. No, I started drinking whiskey at twelve alone. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I wasn't concerned <laughs> about it. I wasn't concerned about any of that stuff. I thought that was for the birds. I I really loved comedy, and I loved um, you know, and I loved human interaction and figuring out how to get people to like me. But then I was going through such hell. Would you say uh, comedy is your therapy? Comedy is not therapy. Comedy is the reason people go to therapy. Um, that is a misconception that, mm-hmm. that, uh, that comedy is therapy, in my personal opinion. Maybe it is for some people. Podcasts are therapy in a way. And, um, you know, just expressing yourself is therapy. Right. That's it. So if you can express yourself perfectly on stage, then I guess that can be therapy. But then at the same time, usually when you go to the therapist office, you don't get, uh, you know, booed out of the room. So Not how, that I get booed out of the room. How, they just start crying. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Never see like, what again? happened? <laughs> 
<laughs> I quit being a therapist. So she did. <laughs> so how? Well, two questions. How do you? How do you work all this stuff out? I mean, you got to find your release some way. Yeah, just the podcast, and I mean, I've been. Yeah, I get is my, that why you I have four podcasts? Out. Yeah, I've had four podcasts. I've had three for five years, and one for one year, and um, yeah, that's it. Just express yourself constantly. Express yourself, and mm-hmm. and you can get it out. You just have to. You just have to. Uh, you know, find the way. Whatever is best for you. You know, I don't. I I do like to write, but. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I just don't, you know, so if you're a writer, uh, that's a great way to do it. If you like to go on stage and perform theater, uh, you can do that. I really wanted to be an actor. I'm six foot seven and I didn't realize that made that career an impossible, uh, venture. Maybe if I get famous, I can, uh, you know, be in some things. Get yourself shortened by a doctor. Yeah. Get, get myself <laughs> shrunken down by some sort of Willy Wonka-esque doctor. <laughs> um, so yeah, whatever it is, that's the best. You just have to find a release for it. And I think there's a problem now. That's why we have all these shootings and things like that. It's not so much because of guns. It's because people just sit there and they get so fumed over their uh, over their phones and on their computers, and they get so full of rage, you know, digesting all the hate that drives the internet, and then they go out, uh, you know, and they uh, and they do uh, acts of atrocity, mental and, health and problems, yeah, mental health problems, uh, or it is. Uh, well, obviously, they're not health, mentally healthy people, um, but you know they just get so full of rage and they don't find they can't figure out an outlet because either they're not creative or they also know that if you want to get the quickest way to get from A to the cover of the Rolling Stones is to go blow up a fucking marathon, mm-hmm. you know. So, but you'll be in solitary and you can't enjoy it. Yeah, well, you're still famous, you know, <laughs> and that's what you want. I mean, a lot of these people have a death wish anyway. But if you're famous and you never see yourself on the magazines, are you really famous? That's a question you got to ask a six-year-old. Uh, six mm-hmm. That's a good. That is a good question. Actually, <laughs> are you famous if you don't know that you're famous? Right. Yeah. Don't think you are. Yeah. That's well. That's part of the whole mental health problem. I think is that the social media is really making people very unhappy. Yeah. Everyone wants to be famous. They want to get the likes. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And it's making a lot of people miserable. Yeah. A lot of that. A lot of that. Yeah. For sure. Social media is a very addictive drug. Mm-hmm. I had a great podcast. I uh, listened to the Ben Kissel show. I had a great uh, episode this week with John DeVore, who mm-hmm. does a lot of stuff with social media. He's a very successful social media fella, and it will, we had a good discussion about that. So do you, do you have a therapeutic practice besides the podcasts, or is that just how you get your release? Uh, no, I don't. I, I, I don't uh, no, I don't do anything therapeutic. No. You ever hear of uh, that book, The Artist's Way, and the morning pages, and that whole thing? No, that's the one with a with, with a finger pointing at you, on the cover. Yeah, I don't remember the cover, mm, okay. but the the cool concept that I got from it was when you wake up to just write and don't criticize or be critical of what you're writing. Just free flow write. You don't even have to read it back, but if you do read it back, it's amazing what comes out because there's us and then there's like an objective us. Right, right. You know, there's the conscious mind, subconscious mind, but then there's something else going on. You know, we don't really know ourselves, and we'd be we're surprised by what comes out often. I think that's why a therapist is beneficial for everybody because they're trained and they see patterns in the human mind, and they can kind of like help you guide your way to figure this stuff out. Not that you need it. I'm not saying that. But no, I listen to myself on a regular basis. I'm fairly well. I'm fairly well acquainted mm-hmm. uh, with myself, but I do understand what you're saying, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Right, to have a professional that's seen not only uh, your brain. <laughs> what about a professional? I mean, what are these therapists? Well, it's know. a soft science. It's, it's relatively new psychiatry and psychology. Yeah. But, 
you know, you do start to see patterns. You you date, don't you see patterns in in women or patterns in the stuff that happens, whether it's coming from you or whether it's coming from them or the women that you're attracting, whatever. These psychologists, whatever, right? They see these patterns. Yeah, yeah, good. So yeah. they're 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 supposed to be. That's why they're paid. A lot of money, yeah. Be one step ahead. Well, they're all going through divorces. Then there's that. There's this, yeah. definitely a certain person that's they're attracted all, they're to. They're all slamming the do more down there in the in the desk, smoking a bunch of weed. Well, you got to be a little. You got to have psychological issues to be attracted to psychology. That's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. You got to try to cure yourself first, right? But don't yeah. you want a mechanic that's in love with cars? Or yeah, has, that's a good point. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I think that's a good idea. But no, I think therapy can be good for some people. It's not a it's not a personal uh thing for me. I don't feel I mean, I, I like to uh ask questions. I don't like to talk. Mm. You know, so much. Mm-hmm. And, and you- I don't I, I I would not respect their answers. It's very <laughs> rare that a person that a person gives an answer um that uh about me that I that I would agree with. Very very rare. So you know, it is what it is. What do you mean an answer about you? Like if you ask the question about you and they evaluate you, you mean? You yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, down? very rarely is the evaluation correct. Uh-huh. It almost it's never been correct, actually. So I, I don't have any confidence in that. I think I would be able to answer the question better. So yeah. any questions I have about myself, I can ask myself and I'll answer it. I could see your future girlfriend Rose, just fuming in her face right now. Yeah, yeah, good. She'd be like, I know you better than you know yourself. No, no, no. They don't know you. That's possible. <laughs> I could already tell what kind of fights you've had with past girlfriends. No, I don't think I've ever had one. A past girlfriend or a fight? Oh, what do you, what do you mean? Uh, let's see. Either. Either of them. Really? What's your longest relationship? My longest relationship, I believe, was two and a half years. Uh, that's, that's a long time. Yeah, it was a very nice gal, mm-hmm. and we're still good friends today, so I think that's wonderful. That says a lot about a person when they're friends. I'm with friends her. with all of my ex-girlfriends. You are? I think so. Mm-hmm. That's great. Why, yeah. why? What happened? Do you think you'll get back together? No, I don't think so. I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. I, 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 require, I, I want money. You want money. And then I'll be able to deal with all that. Mm-hmm. I'm celibate. I'm celibate. <laughs> I am. I am. Until you fake, make your first uh, six-figure check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need money. You need money. Otherwise, you never know. You never know uh, who you can get, right? Jesus didn't have much money. Jesus actually did have quite a bit of money. That's a myth. Really? What, why was he wandering around with a bunch of guys not wearing shoes? They had sandals. <laughs> sandals were very good. They were the Nikes of the time. Were they really? Oh, That's, Jesus came. Jesus came for money. All that's nonsense. Mm-hmm. If he was real, yeah. Judging by what he wore, uh, historians believe Jesus was loaded. Everyone who is, uh, most people that are successful are successful due to nepotism. It's very difficult to break through when you come from nothing. So that is something good to learn, and it certainly applies to uh, the people who have become the figureheads of the most famous religions uh, in the world. Now, I will argue that it's difficult to break through when you don't come from money. I think it's more of a mindset. I mean, it's both. No, no, it's not it, it is thing. not. Uh, no, you can have all the mindset that you want. Um, 
if you have money, if you come from people who are connected into uh, the industry that you want to go into, life is a thousand Absolutely. times easier, and you get to skip like fifteen years of hard work. But the hard work makes you a better person. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't trade that for anybody. And it's certainly, I'm not even, I'm not jealous. Oh, I, I saw this firsthand. I used to live in Los Angeles, and I was working for this woman. She's married to Rod Stewart's guitar player. Blah blah blah. Lived in the Hollywood Hills, and um, she had kids, and I, I the roster like the book of the elementary school was sitting on my desk so yeah. i opened it up and i'm like francis bean cobain uh like all every last yeah, yeah, name yeah. i knew from hollywood right I'm like they're all going to school together this is how it happens yeah of course they grow up together and then they put each, put themselves in each other's movies and yeah i mean there's there's nothing it's not that difficult to understand you know there is no global conspiracy it mm. is just these are friends Right. And you and you grow up in the economic class that you grow up in, and you know, I am I think at this point I am the most successful person from my high school. So mm-hmm. you can that tells you where uh, I grew up. I do think some of it is mindset because when you grow up with like you don't even know anything of bigger or better than your small town, your mind doesn't even go there. You just can't even fathom like, oh, I could be head of a huge. Well, that's lack of creativity. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can't sympathize too much for the people who don't have uh, large dreams and hopes. You know, so I, 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 it is a mindset. But I don't feel uh, I don't feel any empathy towards uh, the person who grew up in a small town uh, who then says, "Woe is me! I, I'm from this small town, and, oh. I, and I can never go achieve anything large." I, I think that that is I think that is a uh, personal decision that uh, that people make, and I and I have no. Um, but what if they didn't even know if it was, if it was even an option? Well, then there's. The, then they have a uh, an ignorance of the mind, and I and I don't know how to help them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, you know, anyone can do anything. You just have to go do it. So many people are scared of offending somebody, or or you know, scared of leaving their parents, or scared of whatever it might be. Well, I'll I'll put it on me. So I'll, put, I'll put the example on me. When I was in uh, middle school and high school, I was big time, big time class clown. I would make jokes. Even the teacher would laugh, but I would get into a lot of trouble. Right, you got to. And people would be like, oh, you're so funny. You have an interesting way that you speak. A couple of people told me, and I would never, I was like, oh, that's interesting that I'm being pointed out. But then a friend was like, oh, let's play music. We could be rock stars. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's right. do that. So I spent many years playing music. Now, if someone would have just said to me, hey, you're funny and you talk in an interesting way, you should be a stand up comic. If one person would have said that to me, I would have been like, what? I can be a stand-up comic? That's a thing? And I would have done it, but the thought never even crossed my mind. That would have changed my whole trajectory. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you have to look at the best way. I mean, at that point, you wanted to join a band and be in a band because you thought that was going to be the quickest way to success, right? Yeah. and that's So it was just, a smart decision. No, because right? the music well, I mean, industry is horrible. It's, it's horrible, <laughs> yes. Way but worse the, than comedy. It is... It doesn't even exist. I mean, it's it's uh, it's the wild, wild west out there. Exactly. Um, but no, I mean, at the same time, I think you made the right decision for you at the, at the moment, right? Because you knew how to play music. You knew this other person who uh, who knew how to play music, and you guys got a uh, a thing together. And I mean, that's just trial and error. It wasn't like you didn't have the desire for success. I am talking about people who don't have the desire to do anything. Uh-huh. Who you know, you didn't have 
okay, so maybe you chose the wrong outlet to begin with. We've all, you know, I was a theater major for two years. I mean, that's not going anywhere before I started doing stand up. And then with stand up, which I really love doing, and I'm excited to, you know, continue doing it. But I fell in love with podcasts through stand up, you know? Right. And uh, so you, but you, you, you found out that it was there. That, yeah. You, you, you just evolve with, uh, you know, different doors open the more that you do things. Uh, so I'm talking about people who's just like, I can't do it because I'm from Nina, Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, we make, we make uh manhole covers here. We don't do comedy, but this is, yeah, but that's a personal choice. I mean, I don't have sympathy for anyone who doesn't, who, who those are also the people who become internet trolls. You right. know, the people who are who just demonize and criticize and cut down people who are trying to do things with their lives. But to bring it back to politics for one second, I think that's kind of the problem with the Middle East and ter- and ISIS and all this stuff is that they just, they're not watching, they don't know what else is out there. They don't see that there's other lives, that there's other things they could be doing. They, there's no hope there. They grew up with no plumbing, everything's, there's no schools, there's there's no hope and then... They like, oh, I can join this community of terrorists of course. and give meaning to my life. And that's the religion. That's what it is. That's the religion, exactly. Yeah, it's the meaning. It's it's giving the meaning to your life. So yeah. That's why I kind of thought the information age would kind of equalize the earth a lot quicker than it has been so far. Because like everyone could get on the internet or ISIS are the kids in ISIS not going on YouTube and seeing how awesome life can be? Do they I mean, they're going on YouTube and seeing how awesome, uh, awesome it can be if you join ISIS. I don't you think know. they're getting the full internet access there. I think they they block it and they block a lot of websites and maybe they just don't even know that yeah, they can I mean, be a stand-up know. comic. They don't have to shoot people. They can make people laugh. But they can't be a stand-up comic. I mean, there is no <laughs> institution for it. They have the, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's there's kids growing up in uh, in Syria right now who are aspiring to be something that will give them a validation and things like that. I don't Papa, know what that might be. What do I do? Do I join ISIS? Do I make people laugh and do stand-up comedy? Well, where's the club? I mean, you can't, you gotta <laughs> right, have a, there's you no gotta clubs. Have a club. You have to have the infrastructure first. And then exactly. You, then, then the arts can exist. The art, that's the other thing. You know, a lot of liberals go into the arts. Liberals don't realize that you need the conservative to build the business first. And then you, so it all comes together. Everyone is together. There is, there is, we all need one another in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. You need the business person to. to you just need the, the club. Yeah. yeah, you need you need the stage. You need a microphone. You need a distributor. You need a you need a television network to uh, be performing on. You know, or do you? Or, you do. You definitely do. Otherwise, these... there is no validation. If a comedian tells a joke uh, and no one's there, did he tell a joke? You know. Well, that's why I think we're entering weird times as artists because we have the technology to eliminate all the distribution systems. We can go direct to the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. We're not great marketers. Yes, yeah, I mean, I definitely am not uh, the best best marketer of all time. I would mm-hmm. like to get better with it, but that's something you can learn. You know, for yeah. Sure. Well, that's how the whole- there's more there's more avenues now than ever before. So you just have to find the one that works for you and hit it hard. Exactly, and I think you are on your way. You looked really good on the news; like you belong mm. on on those news stations. Not only Fox. I know. NBC. I mean, MS, if MSNBC wants to call, I'd love to argue with them too. See, when I watched those Fox clips of you, I was like, oh, my God, Ben's like Bob Roberts. He's so conservative. Oh, yeah. I got that, but I just watched your reel. I didn't see, like, whole segments. But I was under the impression that you were extremely conservative. From those clips? Yeah. Huh. I think the Fox brand tends to do that, too. Yeah, you just kind of assume everybody yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, And my hair, the way they do my hair, it's very conservative. No, but you look like you belong there. It's good. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I am not particularly conservative. I'm conservative on some things, not on others. You're critical of all. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting that. You don't like politicians and you don't like therapists. I love politicians. I don't like therapists. <laughs> I do love politicians. I'm a huge fan of politicians and, and uh, entertainers in general. And you're more tolerant of religious people than religious people are tolerant of us. Some, yes. Po- well, yeah, and that this is how we're better. This is why you're better than them. And that's why we shouldn't draw false equivalencies. I don't even know what the word means. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Gary. Thanks for doing it. That was fun. I tried to wrap it up there and real nice. And you did. Fun. You did a great job. Thank you so much. Yeah, you got a big future ahead of you. <laughs>